I am living the dream that I had when I was 20 years old. My dream was to create a big regional theater that was doing work that I cared about and was passionate about and had a relationship with its community. I am living my dream. That's the very inspirational Chris Coleman. He's the artistic director of Portland Center Stage. More from Chris in a moment. My name is Gregory Day. You're listening to the Weekly Portland Podcast at pdxpodcast.com, also northwestpodcast.com, also pdxpod.com. Now, Chris has been with Portland Center Stage since 2000. It was a little bit of adjustment at first. We talk about that today. We also talk about how he's opened up the stage to other events and his political activism. We get a little bit personal, too. That's always exciting. Chris opens with his philosophy on opening the doors to the armory. I had this notion that one of the ways you could make a theater company or an arts organization relevant in the 21st century was to find lots of different reasons for people to come into the building, lots of different reasons for people to begin building relationship with the company. And, and you think about it, most arts organizations or venues, the only time that you interface with them are like 7 o'clock before the show. Maybe you get a drink and then you, you see the show and then you go home. And that's it. And, and so I was trying to figure out, you know, like, well, how could you change that dynamic? How could you activate it in a different way? You know, and originally I had crazy. I thought, you know, maybe we'll have a gym in the, in the theater. Maybe we'll have a Starbucks, you know, just crazy ideas. Well, I think but, you could get away with that. Yeah, you probably could. We probably could have. But, um, but the upshot has been, you know, our goal was to activate the building from 10 in the morning to midnight, six days a week. And we haven't completely gotten there, but close. And, and so we'll have... 420 theater performances a year and we'll have another 330 community events you know throughout the year and it could be stuff like the creative conference or we have a ton of which is great by the way yeah we have best conference of the year oh is it really oh that's nice that's nice to hear uh we have a, a bunch of um tech events that happen here and environmental events and then we have yoga classes and jazz concerts just all yoga. kinds of things all Wasn't aware of, of that. Stuff. Yeah, you, you, you look like you could maybe in, enjoy that, you know. <laughs> I probably could. I, I'm glad to hear it. Might uh, throw you back out. <laughs> so I asked Chris about his initial start at PCS and the struggles that ensued. It's a conversation with the community, the whole notion of creating a piece of art and, and sharing it and asking people to come in and experience it is a conversation. And it feels like the conversation keeps morphing, keeps shifting. And so for the first several years, it definitely felt like, whoa, I am moving too quickly. <laughs> um, and they are not all happy. Um, and, and then it felt like, okay, you know, all right, all right, we got this. We got, we figured out how to dance. And like, I remember the it's first a dance. Yeah, it is a dance. I love that metaphor. It's a total dance, you know, and, um, and, and you, you have to listen as much as you're talking, you know. And I remember the first year that we were in the Armory, we did a production of The Pillow Man by Martin McDonough, which is very edgy. And we were super nervous because of an experience we'd had a couple of years ago with um, a very controversial production of Merchant of Venice. And so we sent out a letter to everybody before the production, you know, just warning them some of the content and blah, blah, blah. And the only complaints we got about the production were that people felt patronized by the letter. What? You don't think I'm a, a, an adult enough to handle it, you know? 
But um, and then and then you think, oh, you're out of the water, and you don't ever need to warn them, and then you don't, and then you put something on stage that they are pissed about. No, so it's just it's always a learning, always a learning about where the sensitivities lie. Right, and yeah. it is a conversation, yeah. one that's evolving. Also, a great answer. Okay, I- I'm going to get a bit personal now. Uh-oh. You met Greg. Your... We just met. I mean... <laughs> you met your current husband. Yes. While directing him, I did in a, in a show. Right, How just did like that? Bro- breaking How did every. That even it, it just like broke every rule I ever made about never date an actor. You know, <laughs> oh my god, don't ever date an actor because you know the last thing that I ever want to do is come home and hear about an actor's trials and tribulations. You know, and and I was uh, I was just talking about this today. It's so funny because I had literally gotten to the point uh, I was getting out of a prior relationship, and I, I really thought I, I just want to be single the rest of my life. I'm just so sick of having drama at home. I want to just direct plays and run this company and have a dog. And then I uh, was in New York casting for our production of Oklahoma. It was all American, all African American <clears throat> cast was the idea. And the casting director uh, said, no, "I want you to really pay attention to this next guy who comes in because he doesn't. He's a big deal. He doesn't come in for much regional work. He, he'd done like five Broadway shows. And I thought, oh great, he's going to be an asshole." And uh, Rodney came in, and he was fantastic. And uh, I, you know, I figured he was a nice straight boy uh, and had a family or something. And we got to know each other, and one thing led to another. And here we are, six years later. We got a house out in the country with two dogs, and he's about to open on Broadway in this new show in March. And you know, on Broadway, yeah, he, he yeah, cool. and he is a big deal. He is a big deal. Um, I have to tell him that every day. It's called Come From Away is the show that he's opening in. Um, they, is there a bit of competitive edge there? Because you've done off-Broadway, and he's on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Is there some competition between you two? Or you're in a different capacity, no, he's an actor. No, it's just, you know, and it's funny, um, because he sometimes really pushes me, really nudges me to kind of promote myself more. Because he... He, uh, I mean, I think would like to see me kind of in a in a larger arena. Dude, I am living the dream that I had when I was 20 years old. My dream was to create a, a, a big regional theater that was doing work that I cared about and was passionate about and had a relationship with its community. I am living my dream. We're super um, excited about each other's successes. You know, I am going to compliment you here because one thing I get from you reading your interviews is that you do think big, and you are bringing a world-class production to the city, the staging, the costuming, the talent. And do you feel a sense of accomplishment? First, thank you. That's that's like a really, really kind thing to say. Yeah, I feel uh, several people have asked me, you know, and after Astoria opened, um, oh, you must just be buzzing. You must just be buzzing. I said, no, I'm not buzzing. I, I am... Um, Super, I feel super rewarded. You know, I feel like, wow, I got to do something really hard that I really big wanted. Big production. Big production, hard. I did not know how to do it. And it was scary, but it was, like, really exciting to be a part of and to have people respond as kind of in such a heartfelt, uh, vocal way about it. It's just been, like, awesome, you know. Um, yeah, that that is uh, that feels like really rewarding and i think being rewarded by your work is even more important than being praised personally i mean i, I know that amen. for me amen it's really funny my, my dad came out my, my dad is a history nut and um and kind of one of the primary ways that we connect is 
talking about history. And so he had read the book, and so he had to come out. He wanted to see the production, so he came out last weekend, and it was super fun for him to see it and to talk with him about it. And um, yeah, it, it's been it's been a really uh, it's been a neat, hard, fun process. And I think at this point, you know, because I've been gosh, I've been running theaters for twenty seven, twenty eight years. What's really important to me is to do stuff that feels hard, to do stuff that m- makes you scared. You know, it's like excited, but like I'm not exactly sure how to do this. You know, that's what keeps it interesting. I love to hear that. I love to hear that, especially from a guy who's been doing it for so long. You're not coasting, I'll tell you that. <laughs> okay, now, okay, I, w- I want to ask you about the board. Yeah. What's your relationship like with them? Is Mike Golub still? Mike Golub is still on the board. He took Golub. a year off and, and then we brought him back, yeah. Now, he's a big figure in town. He's awesome. Oh, he's fantastic. He was our board chair for three years, I guess, and he's been chair of the marketing committee. And um, I, I, my only sport that I really enjoyed when I was coming up was soccer. So I'm a huge soccer fan, so he, he always gets me tickets, so that's a total bonus. Um, yeah, our, our board is, is, uh, is fantastic, actually, and, and it's, it's made up of really about 30 people that are you know very successful in their own right and really invested in the community, care about the work, super generous, and um, you know we have a healthy debate, boisterous debate, you know. Really? Oh, sure. About the um, about the you know how to improve the financial future of the organization, and but but it's really there's You've done a, a great job by the way. I mean, you inherited a deficit. Yeah, we are debt free, so that's great. beautiful. And um, love to hear that yeah, for yeah. the arts. It's very yeah, important. and they're 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 an amazing group of people that I I feel like I learn from and have really fantastic conversations with. So the spirited debate at these spirited. Well, you you don't want people. I mean, if you're if you're really reaching high for people that can help you, then you're 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 looking for people who are already successful, and you don't get to be successful by just being not having strong opinions. And so you've got to be willing to really and capable of making your case in a very forceful, clear, compelling way. I'm getting that from you. Good. But you're that kind of guy. <laughs> Not going to mess around. Now we move on to Chris's political activism, specifically about the arts tax. That was, that was me. You can blame me for the $35 you pay every, every spring. I'm happy that, um, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, that was, I, I chaired the organization that, brought that to the ballot and um i remain very proud of that accomplishment it hasn't gotten the best press but you know every kid in elementary school in the city of portland now has an art or music teacher in their classroom and that is because of the arts tax and the level of funding to uh the nonprofit arts organizations in the city has doubled and sometimes tripled the level of support uh, as a result of the arts tax, it hasn't yet met its full the full potential that was originally envisioned. But we're still working on that with um, Mayor Wheeler. So uh, it's been it was an enormous pain in the ass, you know, um, on at every stage of the game. But I learned so much, and it was it was uh, something I'm really proud of. And you spoke about this in another interview. This was a Comcast interview. You seemed very passionate about it. I, I did some deep Googling. Wow, that's been a while. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, it has been a while. Do you still serve as the board president for the Cultural Advocacy Coalition? You know, I actually do, Greg. 
That's great news. Please tell us. The organization is. and what Yes. They, uh, it, it is the primary organization that advocates for funding for the cultural sector at the state level. Uh, we're the folks that are working with the legislature and the governor's office in, in terms of trying to articulate how to advance cultural policy. And, this is, and I say culture because right, it's, it's arts, heritage, and uh, humanities. One thing I that really struck me, something you said in a previous interview about people staying after a show to have dialogue mm-hmm. and discuss racial issues, sure. that struck me as very interesting, mm-hmm. that you consider part of the PCS experience, the dialogue, more about this conversation you were talking about earlier. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so that's going to happen um, at special performances of almost every production. And, and sometimes it might just be, you know, a staff member coming out and facilitating conversation. And then occasionally, not occasionally, several times a year, it's a it's a more facilitated uh, panel that we'll bring in. It might be folks from the psychoanalytic community or it might be um, people from the social service community, depending on the topic at hand. Um, wow. When we, Some real professionals. Oh, yeah, well, absolutely. And, and uh, like when we did um, Hold These Truths this fall, which was about the Japanese internment, um, yes, I remember the, that. Yeah, there were there were several experts from the community that came in, and I believe the production that you're referencing was a show called Clyburn Park. Yes, which was, was about the kind of the ramifications of gentrification in um, in a Chicago neighborhood, but it was just like changed the names, and it would t- totally have been Portland. And it was it hit a nerve, and we knew it was going to hit a nerve, and so we had topics after every performance for that one, and that was special. It was really rich, rich, interesting conversation. Um, so to me, that's the whole juice of it. You know, is is not just um, that you pay your money and you come in and you sit back and you applaud. It's that hopefully it it, it affects you. Now, the staging and the costuming for PCS is always top-notch. I asked Chris about the local sourcing. But the crews, the artisans who actually build them, the sets and the costumes, all live here, work in this community, and our scene shops over on Front Avenue, the costume shops. You know, one really? Fl- yeah, one floor down. Lots of local folks. Oh, yeah, totally. And, and one of my favorite things uh, anybody who's ever said, Tony Leslie James, who just designed the clothes for um, Astoria, and I think she's done 17 Broadway shows. Afterwards said, um, it was such a pleasure to work on this. And she said, your costume shop is top of the line in, in, in the yep. industry. Yep. You can um, see it. You can see that quality. So that was, yeah, there's wonderful, dedicated people who love when people like you see the quality of that dress. Yeah. You know, or It tells a story in its own. I mean, even before the actors come out, you see this set, you're just instantly brought into the environment. But uh, almost every production I've seen has just uh, really taken me to the place. Mm, I love that. And uh, especially period pieces, you do a fantastic job. What don't we know about about you, Chris? Uh, I know you have two dogs. Can you surprise us? What don't you know about me? I'm a mediocre skier. Um, I'm a conservative skier. I like skiing, but I am careful because I've injured myself a couple times. Um, 
This is a nosy person's question. No, I love it. I love it. Love it. I'm, I'm actually, um, I'm right on the line between extrovert and introvert. So I'm like deeply unsocial. So when I am not here. I've heard that. Yeah. When I'm not here, I'm like, I can go four days without speaking to another human. Just reading and doing homework on a play and watching Netflix. I am as happy as a clam. Really? Uh, oh, totally, totally. And I am a I'm a I'm a geek for history. I love reading um, church history, Bible history, like the whole kind of evolution of. And probably because I'm a recovering Southern Baptist, you know, so that whole the political machinations of the early church is like a point of particular fascination. That's right, Southern yeah. Baptist. Yeah, Spent yeah. a lot of time in the South, Atlanta. Yep. yep. No, I, I really do appreciate what you've done Thanks. for the city, and I'd like to ask you, in closing, about your dogs. <laughs> I How about two, that for a transition? I have two completely awesome dogs. Uh, Logan is the older one. She's four years old. Logan is a Jack Russell lab mix. She's 18 pounds. And yes, there is such thing as a Jack Russell lab mix. You can go Google it online. And she's super smart and aggressive and energetic and trevor is an english blockhead yellow lab and he's 95 pounds and he's super sweet and affectionate not the sharpest knife in the drawer and the little one logan of course is totally in charge you know trevor does what she says um and they my favorite thing to do when i get home is after i have changed out of my fancy clothes lay down on the floor in the front room and let them just lick all over me and be happy I'm home. And with that, on that note, thank you so much, Chris Coleman, for speaking with us today. Awesome. Really fun talking to you, Greg. And thank you for listening to the Weekly Portland Podcast. We'll be back next Monday. See you then. This is pdxpodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in.